Today, a special episode of Return to Reason, where knowledge and wisdom intersect. My guest today has been a provincial politician and a member of parliament for the Conservative Party since 2019. He's joining me today because he's letting his name stand for the leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada. Thank you for joining me today, Mark. Yeah, looking forward to uh, our time together, Leon. Why have you decided, just right out, right out of the gate, why have you decided uh, to run for the leadership of the uh, Conservative Party? Well, you know, honestly, it's been on my heart for many years, um, as far as politics, as far as this nation. I feel that I have the broad life experience. I feel I have the uh, political experience and the desire of, uh, to serve this nation and to be a strong voice for um, people from coast to coast. And so I have, I have, uh, uh, you know, just not only the experience, but the the heart. For me, it's a lot of it's heart. It, it really isn't about what can I get out of this. It's more how can I serve, how can I give. And that that's been my background, uh, you know, from uh, since I've been a youth. I was in the military. I was a pastor for about a decade. I was in ministry for quite some time. I was a teacher, public school teacher, also. And so. For decades, I've been a Christian for you know for quite a few years, and it, it, and I can't just change that. You know, I can't. I've always walked in that 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 area of faith and in prayer, and of course with wise counsel too. So right, right. On your website, you mentioned the phrase like for a better Canada, we need to give grassroots a voice, and then you said that elections are won and lost in vote-rich suburbs. Tell me a little bit about that. Okay, uh, a few things as far as listening to the base. I think sometimes that, well, as far as our party, one of the criticisms has been that we have gone too much by the polls. You know, what is the, what are the polls showing? And I think that that impacted us last year that we were not uh, listening as much. To, I think to a lot of our the conservatives, those were members, those have been typically voted for us, and they felt disenfranchised. So I think that is a key thing of listening and going forward on that, and not just going like a weather vane. And I uh, to hold on some of the core beliefs, core principles, and to hold the course in spite of sometimes the fire and the opposition that we get uh, sometimes in press, sometimes um, just in public, but to hold on to those principles and move forward. Um, when you were announced your intention to run as the leader of the CPC, you mentioned that your first order of business will be to call for a national inquiry into the way the pandemic was handled. Elaborate on that for me. What, what did you see going on there? Well, there's a number of things. Okay, I mentioned four different kind of pillars to that, and I'm going to be expanding upon that in the coming days. But the first one is the fact that we have doubled the the national debt in the past two two and a half years. So there needs to be accountability. I mean, this is this debt. Uh, basically, when you, to pay off debt, you're also paying uh, interest. And it impacts our children and our grandchildren. So we need to look a lot deeper. And it can't be just spending money willy-nilly because, well, here's an opportunity. So that is a concern. I think we need to have to shine the light on that. Secondly, I talk about, uh, I think there's the issue of accountability and uh, particularly with, with um, some of the contracts. There's a concern that, that some of these contracts have been given to uh, firms, people that have had roots with the governing party. 
And so I can think of one that was a former member of parliament with the current Liberal Party. And within, he got a contract and it was double the value of other contracts, competitors. And he had, he, this was a new field for him. So it's things like that, that I think that, that we need to be careful. I mean, there's a word for that. And, and the current party is not, uh, is not blameless as far as the issue of, of, um, what he used for lack of better word, areas of corruption or concern or, or appearances of corruption. Anyways, that's the second thing. A third thing is I, I talk about national inquiry in the sense that how much of this was for political, the mandates in particular, how much of this was for particular for political purposes as compared to uh, health purposes? And now you're expecting to hear that from a opposition member, which I am running for the Conservative Party as far as leadership. But when it's coming from the own liberal benches, we had Joe, MP Joel Lightbound and others saying this is what happened in the last election. It was as far as pushing the mandates was really for political opportunism. And there, those mandates really do undermine personal freedoms. There's a lot of personal freedoms. I'm, that, that are impacted upon that, including freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of movement, mobility. These things are, are impacted. And then the last thing I, I talk about is the issue of, of vaccine injuries, because there is appears to be a lot more than what we are aware of. That's one thing. But the fact that the government is essentially forcing the public to become vaccinated uh, in spite of the fact that there are potential health risks. And it's not just potential health risks. There's a lot, you, know, you can look at the, the different uh, provinces' websites and what they have, you know, what they have li lined up as, the, as some of the health risks, whether it be myocarditis or heart attacks or strokes or all these different symptoms and, and diseases and, and you know, potentially death that and yet to still force people to go that way, I think that that is very, uh, it's improper and it's mm -hmm. concerning. Right. So if you're going to do a national inquiry, what would that look like? I mean, uh, how do we do that? Do we, what's the steps? Well, well I mean, this is a comprehensive uh, inquiry. So you would have to get witnesses, testimonies. It's, it's kind of, uh, for example, you have, I mean, different committees. I've been in different committees. You, br you bring in testimonies, expert witnesses to, to validate or to substantiate or, or not different, different parts of this, including, for example, the parliamentary budget officer. So the parliamentary budget officer looks into the, the, the budget of and expenditures of the Canadian government and shows, hey, this is Where's the accountability? And, and essentially, the, he has said on variety of, of, of expenditures that where's the money going? So we need to know where is the money going? So you bring in people that are in the know into this and, and witnesses and go forward. So there'll be a number of different aspects to this inquiry. Right. So as a member of parliament, I mean, you've been, you've been there now for a number of years. Um, what do you see going on in, a, in our government uh, are things going in a good direction, in a bad direction? You, you, you know, you've already said no, things are not going good. Can you give us a snapshot of, of the cultural, political landscape of, of Canada coming from our government? Yeah, well, good question. And I am very concerned with the, the divisiveness 
the that is basically used as a political strategy, essentially wedging uh, Canadians against other Canadians in order to gain uh, electoral wins. What I have seen is, for example, for example, social conservatives are kind of well, their you know their their voice isn't as important as there is others, or it's it's almost like pitting society against certain segments or perhaps people in uh, that are in the oil and gas industry or Westerners or people in the rural areas or it's all this wedge politics and I feel that, that is wrong you know we are we are in a country that it, when I was raised up it was about unity rather than uniformity and that's what we're moving to where unity is where you can have different beliefs you know you can you can Canada has been a beacon of of freedom for in this world. I mean, there's there's very few countries that have got more people from all over the world that have moved here that to a country that as compared to Canada. So we've been a beacon of of freedom and of expression and of 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 life, and it's been so attractive. And that has been we we welcomed we welcome diversity. We welcome different voices, and that has been changing. That has been changing in in for example in the area of of uh, your speech now you have to increasingly you've got to toe the line or else you can get canceled or you, you have to be extremely careful on the things that you say and so that that's a concern the freedom of press also is is a is an issue you're on the, on the airwaves and so there's a variety of things that are concerned so i the, the divisiveness is is very uh, concerning and i think canadians should be we should be pushing back against that. So one of the things from myself, I'm open. I mean, I've talked to media. Listen, I'm a Christian, and I'll tell anybody that I am pro-life. I believe that 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 concept that uh, life begins at conception. I recognize, though, that where the most of society is at, but you know, can we not have conversations about uh, important issues like that rather than just saying, well, you know, you don't belong in the discourse. You don't belong as part of the framework. You're uh, on the side. Another big one is whether you're vaxxed or unvaxxed. That has been a whole wedge issue. And I think that's been that's been terrible uh, how we this has been used and ostracized so many uh, millions of Canadians. So if you were to get in, um, to not just the... Uh, to lead the party, but say got, got in as prime minister, yes. what would be some of the very first things you'd begin to work on, that you, changes you'd begin to make? Well, I, I would, big thing is to be inclusive, to be make sure that you are connecting. Now my background, I am, I'm, I'm living in British Columbia, but I've been in the military, I've lived across Canada, I've lived in Quebec, I'm French Canadian on my mother's side. I've lived in Alberta, got deep roots there. I'm Indigenous, I'm Métis. So for me, I'm, I have a vision for all Canada. It's not just, and, and the different voices of Canada. It's very important. And so when I hear, for example, I'm in caucus, I hear my colleagues uh, speaking from in Quebec. It resonates with me because I've lived there. I'm in the French-Canadian part of it, or if it's Indigenous, there's all these different pieces that I feel that, that I bring to the, the table. So for me, it is important to, First of all, not to be exclusive, but to be listening, to be engaging, to be working with, not to try to segmentize people and to wedge them aside or people or groups, but to really uh, work together, to listen, to collaborate, and to work. Uh, I mentioned about the grassroots. It's not just about my uh, ideas. Yes, provide leadership, but it's also the, I believe that in servant leadership, and that is, you know, leading, 
through service. And so, uh, yes, providing, providing the direction, but the same thing, it's a heart of compassion. It's a heart of service. It's not a heart of self-promotion. This is, you know, I'm not, I'm not in this for, to, as a bucket list of things to do or to, or to be in the media, you know, honestly, it's, it's like, it's not that at all. I, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're putting yourself up to as right. a target in many ways. So, so you've, is, are, you've probably already been doing that though. I mean, yes. you're, you're, you know, you intuitively have been talking and looking around. So when you get in based on the conversations, your years of experience already, as you were putting it, what would be some of the first things that you'd begin to work on or changes you'd want to begin to make? Well, one of the things that I had brought forward, I, I had a motion in last year that died on the order papers, an election was called, was on a look into the opioid crisis, not just a look into opioid crisis, but looking at ways to, to bring change. In British Columbia, we've had we've doubled the number of people that have died in the past year uh, through addictions. And I think that a lot more emphasis needs to be placed, uh, not only em uh, emphasis, but financial resources, need to be placed in uh, recovery for not only the opioid, but in drug and alcohol. About 20% of Canadians actually struggle one point of their life uh, with, with addictions. And so that's a big thing of, of focusing, investing, working together with provinces, with the Indigenous communities to, to help because this is impacting, it's tearing our countries, our family apart. And it's something that, that is, a, it is a priority for me. I think also that... As, as far as leadership, it is, and the difference between a conservative and, and the other parties is we want to enable individuals, uh, in, support the families, rather than the government being the nanny of everything and the control, because we're surrendering our rights, our freedoms to the government. And yeah, they may say, okay, we'll take care of you, we'll do this and all that, but you're losing your freedom. And so I'm very much supportive of the family, of our communities, of small businesses. These are, and looking at measures, what do we do? How do we get out of the, what Trudeau said, out of the bedroom, you know, let, let people uh, live and to do their, their lives rather than being interfering so much. And there's, uh, on some of the social issues, there are things that, that are important. One would be even on the area of euthanasia. Next year, we have a ruling whereby people with psychiatric problems, depression, will be able to uh, get asked to be euthanized. And I feel that that is, that is contrary to the, what we've been do, what we're doing as a society. For example, Bell's, Bell Let's Talk, where we should be there to support and to help because when people are going through depression, they're going to feel suicidal. I remember when I was in my early 20s, I went through a depression, a very dark time. I had suicidal thoughts. I never attempted, but it was, I can understand how that, how that is, you know, people don't see anything in life. And I think we need to surround people and to help them to move forward that, that this can actually be beneficial. I, I, I look back and see that very dark time in my life as one of the most beneficial times in my life because there's a lot of richness, there's understanding, there's so much compassion that comes out of those hard, hard emotional, physical times, the times of, of, of sorrow and brokenness. And, you know, I think of in Corinthians, I believe it says, you know, it's out of it's out of your pain. It's out of how you've been comforted, how you've been healed, how you've been strengthened with that. You're able to actually help people. You're able to minister to other people. And I, I think that's so important. And as a society, we need to help people uh, surround them around this. I I also am concerned with the liberal government in the area that, that they have said that they're going to deregister, um, uh, for example, pregnancy centers that that 
offer different choices. And are there, there's a pregnancy center, for example, right across the street from me, and they are faith-based. They will, they will, they're not pushing people to go any direction, but they're there to, to support. And if they choose not to have, the, you know, carry on with a pregnancy, then to support them afterwards or vice versa. So that deregistration is concerning to me because uh, again, it's like, well, you don't believe you're not following what the government feels as their priority, then, you know, it can move on to other organizations, charitable church organizations. So I think we need to be concerned about these sort of things. I'm also concerned about the, the laws coming in as far as free speech and cancel culture. You can't say this, you can't say that. And who's determining what is what is right and what is wrong? It's always the government. The, 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 now, it may be fine for the people if they might have voted for that government or that philosophy, but what happens if, if the shoe changes? And I, I, I think that that is just not the way that we should be do going um, as far as a government, as far as a society. To me, it is going in a wrong direction. And I will say also that that last year during the election, the people that I found that were more, most concerned about what's happening in Canada were those who had been in communist countries beforehand, especially Eastern European countries. They were very worried because they can smell they can smell communism. They can smell socialism. They can smell the loss of freedoms. And there has been so much of that's been happening during the COVID time that, that um, you know, we're, we're starting to normalize these things. This is very concerning. One of the things I'm hearing from a lot of people, you know, as we're interviewing and talking, uh, very smart people, is that if we don't deal with our financial issues as a country immediately, that we're not going to have a much, much of a country to deal with any issues at all. Hmm. What would you do in regards to that? I mean, government spending is is just exploding, and then the decisions they're making, um, you know, is is Canada going in the right direction financially? Can we even afford to do anything? What will happen with our kids and our grandkids as we look at the future of Canada financially? Jobs, homes, houses, businesses, careers. What's some of the answers you see there that we need to we need to begin to work on? Well, all throughout history, when countries have been spending beyond their means, way beyond their means, they, it leads to chaos. It leads to a downfall. So it's we are in a situation that we're just. It seems like no real concern about finances, and you know, people can say, "Well, it doesn't really impact that much because we can afford it." Um, I've heard this from our current finance minister, but the problem is that's based upon low interest rates. Well, what happened this this um, I think yesterday? They popped it up about uh, five basis points or or fifty half a point. So it was that's that can quickly climb upon us. And all you, you all of a sudden, if you're basing your your finances on on very low interest rates and it starts to mushroom up, then you're in a real tough situation that happens as individuals and it happens as far as nations so you we need to be under control of you know at least tighten our live within our means you know just be a bit more thoughtful and doesn't mean you have to slash and burn <laughs> uh, but it does mean you, you know priorities need to be made and maybe better expenditures uh the way you're spending have to be examined need to be scrutinized. That's very important for, and it impacts all Canadians. And because we're spending money that is just, you know, out of control, from my perspective, it is also uh, leading to inflationary uh, pressures. 
So that is making it more difficult for people to buy new homeowners to get to buy a place and raising the the, the cost of, of of assets, which which you know if your income is not going up uh, as fast as inflation, then you're falling further and further behind. And Canadians are falling further and further behind. We we have you know inflationary levels now that we haven't seen in, in nearly three decades. I've heard people making comments, leaders as well, that things like the Emergency Act uh, need to be literally removed because they're not necessary and they can be used in wrong ways. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I'm very disturbed that the Liberals, backed by the NDP, supported this. Now, I was on the Hill when in in Parliament when all this convoy was there, and I'd walk by every day, and it was... Pretty, it was uh, pretty safe. It was, uh, you know, sometimes there was sometimes there was honking. That's for sure. And, and I'm not, I, 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 don't support as far as blockading, you know, the, the borders uh, where there is impacts the economy. But, anyways, the, the, the what I'm trying to get to here is that I, I left the, the day, the night before they brought the emergency act. I was speaking in the house around 10:30 at night, and then I walked. I left the parliament. I went outside, and then there was there was a gates, you know, fences, and there was a police officer. He opened the the he opened the fence, and he said, um, "He told me to be careful." And I thought, "Oh, really? Something's changed. What's going on here?" And he said, uh, "It's slippery out there." So as I was walking, so but the thing is, a few hours later, that's when they brought in the the police and to clear everybody, and. You know, they could have actually done this beforehand. They didn't have to bring in the emergency act in order to do this. And so the funny, the, the terrible thing, I think, is within 36 hours, it was all, it, you know, it was removed again. And the fact is also that the borders and the borders at uh, in Ontario, by in Windsor, down by Coots in Alberta, those things had already been lifted, you know, a few days beforehand. So there was no need for it. And something else which I brought up in Parliament was this. The day before, they brought the, the emergency act. There was a there were eco terrorists that went at about a couple dozen and attacked a a crew that were building a pipeline. There was a camp and there were police officers too. They attacked with with, with axes. They destroyed millions of dollars worth of damage, including injuring people. And I believe one one police officer also. You didn't hear anything about that. You hear nothing about that. Uh, and yet. They, there was, there's been no arrests even since then. No, we've heard nothing about some serious damage. There was hurt millions of dollars of, 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 of like I said, damage that was caused. Nothing. We have no arrests happened there, and yet they they would, they would bring in the emergency act, which went into people's accounts. Uh, very troubling, extremely troubling. What happened? And yeah. so I just, uh, it's beyond the pain. Wow. Final question of our time remaining here. You've got a moment or so. Um, what do you think it's going to look like, the next federal election, uh, the campaigning? What do you think is going to happen there? Well, it was a minority government, but the, the federal NDP have agreed to to uh, with an agreement with the federal liberals. So this could go on for a while, but I'm, I'm quite sure that if it's whenever it suits the liberals, that they will find a way to call an election when it, when it uh, suits the suits them. So what we'll look at, uh, I'm not sure, but I, I, I'm hoping people will remember the things that have gone, that have happened here. There, there are lots of freedoms. I, I hope that they will cherish 
their freedoms and what they have lost. I mean, my dad was in the military. I was in the military. You know, many of your viewers, you know, they have family. Maybe perhaps they've been in the military also. We've all benefited from Canada stepping up for standing up for freedoms on the world on world scene. Right now we're having the situation in Ukraine with Russia attacking and so standing up against this oppressive power, we have done that on the, on the international stage also. And yet we seem to be, and it's concerning that we seem to be allowing this to be taken over. We're just surrendering these, these, liberties, uh, uh, these, these li liberties just left and right. And so that's, I just hope that we will be awake Awaken enough to that. It reminds me of the, you know the common uh, little uh, story about the frog, you know, thrown in the the water that was slowly brought, warmed up, and 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 then boiled. Didn't recognize the the change in the temperature. And I think that these sort of things are happening. And I just hope that and pray that we would be alive to that in order to 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 um, move this government out. And so there's a liberty piece, but also the financial piece of uh, things too. So, well, that's. True. Mark, thank you for being with us. Our time is up, but it's been great chatting with you, talking with you, and, and all the best. Thank you so much. Return to Reason is supported by our fans. We are not handcuffed by advertisers or shareholders. The need for media with integrity is more important than ever. Consider becoming a partner and fueling the unheard truth by visiting returntoreason.tv.